it's extremely hard to build a business with an exit in mind. The best way to get an exit, if that's what you want, is to not think about it. Just go fast, build hard. The most important thing was, so the people that were bought us, we actually had been working with for over a year before they bought us. As a general rule, the people who buy you are the people that know you, like you, and have worked with you. Even your rivals, you just be good and nice to everybody, and that's where that stuff is most likely to happen. The kind of out of the blue, Google suddenly buys you out of the blue, it just doesn't really happen. The best thing is to always just grow as fast as possible and build relationships with people who might potentially do it and be nice, and then see what happens. Businesses are bought and not sold. Coley's content creation and management platform helps the world's top D2C brands enter new channels, reach more customers, and increase conversions through smarter creative that's authentic, made for you, and meets your needs cost-effectively. Whether you're a brand marketer trying to grow on TikTok with authentic videos, or a performance marketer looking to get more images to test in your ads to improve your return on ad spend, Coley has the creators and team to shatter your marketing goals. Visit coley.com slash DTC, that's C-O-H-L-E-Y dot com slash DTC to request a complimentary consultation and get on the fast track to better content. Hello and welcome to All Killer, No Filler. I'm Eric Dick, and today I am super lucky to be joined by Henry DeZoot, as well as Pilot House Principal and CRO Chief Wrapping Officer these days, Kyle Hitchcox. Uh, welcome to All Killer No Filler. A little side note: we I, we got to share the rep that Kyle did uh, for the company at our last company meeting. It blew everyone away, but that, that's a little side note. Uh, Look after my bills is one of Pilot House's like longest-standing clients. We've had one of the most fruitful relationships uh, with you, Henry. I think of of anyone that we've worked with. Uh, can you just start by telling us the story of Look After My Bills? Why did you create this product? Yeah, well, it was it was a long and convoluted story because uh, it was it it was. It, Look off my was actually a pivot from from a from a, a startup that was that was doing something else. So we we originally had launched me and my uh, co-founder Will, who's an old friend from university. We launched a, uh, an organisation called the Big Deal, which was collective bargaining for consumers. Can you bring tens of thousands of people together, get them cheaper deals than you could get on the, on their own? Uh, we were focused on gas and electricity bills, and that kind of went went okay. Like it did all right, and we did like the biggest mass switch to green energy, and we negotiated great deals. But the truth was, was it wasn't. It never felt like a rocket ship, and we ended up pivoting it after four years, where we we were speaking to our users a lot, and they were like, "We trust you. Uh, you're getting, you're negotiating these deals on our behalf. Why can't you just do this automatically for us every year? You know, you've done it. You know, you, we keep having to do it. It's very annoying. Why don't you just do it for us?" And that was the kind of light bulb moment and we uh we built uh look after my bills a totally automated system you sign up once and we just keep switching you every year to save you money on your gas and electricity um so that 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 was where it kind of came from and it was also but it was like the very beginning of it all was uh the idea that this industry people just normal people were getting ripped off by energy companies that were charging too much money and we wanted to try and kind of right that wrong uh and we you know we ended up saving people serious amounts of cash um over uh, you know kind of hundreds of millions over over the, the period of the company um which you know which was great that's amazing is this is this a uk this is uk specific right because this this wild fluctuation of, of energy costs over years that, that that you've kind of regulated for people is that something that is is that a global issue or is that something that's specific to the uk 
It's it, well. It, we, so we were a UK-based company. I mean, we did do um, uh, Y Combinator. So we we were we kind of had some exposure in in the US, but in the in the North America, it's quite state by state. I think that's the case in Canada as well. I don't I don't know the ins and outs of it. So we were very, we were just pure focused on on the UK for that reason. Um, and it's like a it's a historical thing where there's a much bigger, like more competitive market, or there was in the energy market in the UK with lots of companies vying for your your custom, but the vast, vast majority of them were monopoly providers who just inherited a load of customers and they just continually overcharged them over a long period of time. And we were like, well, that's that's not good. <laughs> um, that was that, That's where it came from. Very interesting. So, you know, most of the people we talk to on the podcast have physical products, uh, that they're selling, so you you create this service that solves a problem for people, saves them money on a on a annual basis. What basically? What were your first steps to bring this to market? I guess you'd already done it with the previous product. Did you jump right onto ads right away, or did you have it go through word of mouth? How how did it start at the beginning? Yeah, so so actually, well, we were lucky because we we had a kind of database of customers from the big deal who were interested. Though they were interested in, in a different proposition, but we went to those guys first and all via email, and we're just like, "Hey, we've launched this new thing. It looks like this. Are you interested in doing it?" That gave us a a, a good little you know spike at the start. Um, we at the time we didn't we really didn't have very much money. We hadn't raised huge amounts of cash, um, and so we were very focused on affiliate marketing to begin with. So our model was that we would get paid by the energy companies once we switched a customer to them. And so with affiliate stuff, we didn't obviously have to pay up front for that. So we would give them a, a part of the affiliate the the commission down the line. So it didn't cost us anything up front. So we tried to max out emails, max out affiliate marketing first before we then powered into into the kind of like you know upfront ad spends um in the kind of google and facebook territory but the 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 really big moment for us was uh we actually ended up we we ended up doing uh, uh dragon's den in the uk which i think i'm right in thinking that you it was shark tank in the, in america but you guys is called dragon's den i think yep. beaver's lair yeah in canada beaver <laughs> 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 um, and it, and it, it was it was a it was a it was a weird one because we're a tech company and tech companies don't really go on those shows. Um, but my view was that we were a kind of consumer facing business and we just needed to spread the word about because we were just taking a totally different approach to what we were doing. And it and it really worked for us. We got very lucky. We got the best deal in the history of the show uh, in the UK on that on that program. Um, and then when that aired, that obviously. Uh, increased like led to a lot of people hitting the site um, but also it actually kind of reduced our cost per acquisition in lots of other channels that meant we were able to kind of get things to work that we weren't able to get to work before um, and scale some stuff up and that was that was kind of the the key for us just allowing you to crystallize that story and then when you get that story out there have it understood by everyone so that every one of every customer that you got from that probably also had a better chance at becoming an advocate you know to share the service with other people in their lives like if you're generally providing just value to people i bet there's a huge viral component to people sharing this with their friends and family as well yeah absolutely i mean like i think people people were talking about it and it was and it was great I was out one night on in a bowling alley with my my co-founder, uh, and a, a like a random bloke came over and said, "When you on Dragons Den?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah, <laughs> it was totally ludicrous." Um, so there was that kind of awareness as well, which which was great. But we also just and and you know we had the refer a friend scheme and all of that kind of jazz. Uh, but I think in terms of like the brutal honesty about. Um, we were we were quite full on in terms of like 
the performance focus of, a, of, of, of the marketing and being very, um, you know, kind of efficient, efficient and uh, led on, on, on the whole thing. Um, and that and that was what we were able to scale up. And that's what really kind of spread the spread the word for us. And also, you're right, like it was because it was people were saving money, they were kind of pleased about it. And they, they I, I'm not going to pretend to you that people were screaming and shouting about us because like saving money on your electricity bills, it's not like buying a cool, you know, product that you tell all your friends, say, check out my new thing, you know, my new, my new cool thing I bought, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't a physical thing. So you, you like sharing it like was, 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 was harder. Um, so we had to take kind of specific routes to, to make that work. So your ruthless focus on performance marketing was probably a pretty good fit for Pilot House. Uh, I know having come from the back, you know, having come from an affiliate marketing company way back when with Kyle, uh, this idea of being able to be, yeah, really, really ruthless about your performance marketing to, to the point where you're optimizing every aspect of your funnel. And I know just from uh, Nate and from the the sort of legendary stories about working on this account over the years that there was just a, a lot of creative energy that went into helping people look after their bills from the pilot house side. Like, what did you think early days with with this client, uh, Kyle? And what were some what were some of the early impacts that you think Pilot House brought to the table? Early, I mean, specifically early days. Um, you know, uh, Henry and team they, they had things organized in a way um, that, that made sense for, for growth coming in. And so they had a lot of the, you know, the stuff that Henry was talking about, the previous infrastructure, the, the, the tracking tools, they were very data focused. And so there was an early alignment around that. And then I think from that, just the mindset was similar where we're gonna do this until it breaks, no matter what. Um, and I think that, you know, after a couple calls, there was like an instant like, oh, this, this is, this is a cool relationship. Um, you know, going back to our values, I think, you know, we, we actually, like Henry and a couple other early accounts, we really built our, our company values around, you know, those early relationships. It, it all, it all just kind of made sense. Um, they were a little nutty and we were a little nutty together. We made some magic happen over, over a bunch of years, uh, really exciting campaigns and challenges and tribulations and sneaking into Facebook offices to get shit done and so on. But uh, we did it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's, I think that's spot on. I mean, I think, I think one of the things that really helped us was like, uh, w like our team, like our existing team, like really did understand this themselves as well. I sometimes worry that there can be a little bit of disalignment when a team isn't necessarily very performance marketing focused and they might be more brand focused. And then, you know, like the te like you can have a disalignment where, you know, we, we were, we, we would, we were just keen to do anything that was going to bring us customers at the right cost per acquisition. And that meant we were all in exactly the same place on it. And that meant that I did ridiculously stupid selfie videos that, you know, like that actually worked extremely well. We all, we all worked on a, um, you know, no idea was a bad idea. Everybody was being very creative together. I think one of the, the really fantastic things about working with Pilot House was that there was just like total openness about about ideas and throwing things around. And we were just willing to test anything and we were moving fast. And it was always the way that the things that I thought weren't gonna work were the things that would work. And, you know, so therefore it was always, let's just test, let's just, let's just go for it. And because you guys were West Coast, Canada and we were London there was a very nice timing element to it all because we'd wake up and we would like work on the accounts in the morning you guys would be in bed um uh you know it'd get to like three o'clock our time you guys would wake up we would then connect and then you were able to work on the accounts 
in the evening and, 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 and over. So we basically had 24 hour management of the account, which, which given we were spending, you know, we were spending a lot of money. I think at one point we were doing 50 grand a day pounds on Facebook. Um, when we were really, when we were really flying and then you had snap on top of that and everything else. Um, YouTube. Yeah, you know, I had six or seven ad accounts going James over and Facebook in the UK was, you know, helping us navigate all that. We were, coming up with all types of crazy stuff. Like I, I remember we were, you know, we tied into APIs for drop shipping products to incentivize, you know, clients to sign up. Um, that was a neat one. Yeah. So, so much, so much. It was really exciting. It was really exciting. What's the penetration in the UK? Like how many people are having their bills looked after, uh, by this company at this point? Uh, so, so, so I think when we, so when we got, um, when the guys got really involved, I think we were on about 150,000 at, at, at that stage. Um, uh, and then we kind of like, it motored up after that. I can't, I, I actually, the company that bought us is, was a publicly listed company. So I can't actually reveal the number of customers that, uh, is on look after my bills now, but put it this way. It's, it's, it's a lot and it's a hell of a lot more than 150,000. And, you know, there are 20, 25 million households in the UK. So we were getting to, you know, we were getting in, into like kind of big territories and compared to some of our rivals, I mean, there was no other auto switching service that was even close to us. There was like price comparison websites, which were quite big and more traditional uh but not no one was kind of doing was kind of doing what we were doing um, and spending so what you guys were spending too and the just the the creative input that was going like to to reach those scales consistent consistently spend at those scales the number of angles the number of creatives i just remember being close with some of the the buyers at the time and and seeing the stuff that was going into it and what, what an incredible opportunity to really push the limits of what can be done with an account I imagine you use the Dragon's Den. I know, I know you use the Dragon's Den in ad creative as a, a really effectively. And I think that became, it was one of the things that we talked about early on in this podcast is like, if you've got those experiences, not only are they going to be great for your business organically, but they can be spun into so many effective ad pieces. Um, and that's something we talked about ad nauseum in the first year of this business. What, one of the first things now from that experience is always founder story as one of the angles first. It's, it always seems to hit if you get the copyright and you get that tone and it resonates with with the audience within brand um to henry's point earlier um yeah it man it scaled <laughs> yeah was well, there, was, uh, there, was, and there was also there was a particularly good uh moment uh uh, and I, you know, I, I was just, I was not, a, I don't, not, not a big reveal, but there was the, the, um, uh, Kyle and the team came over to London, uh, at a very, very crucial moment in early, it was, it was just before the, it was like January 2020, I think, uh, just before the world, it all went a bit, went, went a bit horrible in the world. And the team came over and, um, and I, it, it was a crucial moment because I think we got we got done by Facebook. Like there was some sort of account error. Like I think what had happened was um, the credit cards got got maxed out on our, our main account, and then Facebook kept trying to take money. We're getting into too much detail here, but we, we kept trying to take money off the account, and then it started penalising the account, and our CPMs went up like like this. And so suddenly we were just like in this kind of like, oh my god, we've got to keep, you know, we've got to like, we'd had to spin up loads more accounts. We had to do a whole bunch of things. And you were in the middle of your you know, back end negotiations at that point too, I believe. Exactly. So the whole thing, it was like a kind of like absolute vital moment. And, uh, 
it was probably one of the most hectic. It was like this kind of week where the guys were just like, and they just like sitting in random corners of our office, and everybody being like, "What's what's going on?" As we we're all like freaking out, and then and then we had a very it's fun. It's gonna night. be fine, guys. I got this. We got yeah, this. As we're all going, we just airdrop a few Canadians in there, just like World War Two. Yeah, II. exactly. Just like <laughs> send for the backup. Send for the backup. Um, uh, right. But we got but we got through it and had a, a cracking night out at the end of it as well, if I remember rightly. I can't remember that much of it, but um, but. It was a it was a good night. <laughs> That's awesome. I wanted to ask back, like, so you've recently exited from yeah. uh, Look After My Bills. So big congrats on that. And I wanted to ask, like, when you're building a business that is, you know, based on on service switching, you've got you've got this niche. You're going super aggressive at it. Did you know, like, how early into the experience did you have an exit in mind? Were you building it with an exit in mind? No, not really. I mean, I think one of the things that was um, a tricky one for us, in the sense that. You know, we you know we did we did Y Combinator at the start of 2018. You know, like the, you know we raised a bit of money out there. Like the uh, the idea was, you know, you you know you do that, you're trying to you're making a billion dollar business, and that's what we were we were telling everybody. And so therefore, the big the big goal was 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 there. Um, I think we got in a funny place because we hadn't raised huge amounts of money, and then a good offer came in to buy buy us buy us, and it made sense at the time. You know, and we were in that place where either we had to go do a big Series A and raise loads more money and do another kind of like five to ten years to kind of like really go for it, or uh, or we could we could we were able to get out at, at that stage. And it was a very 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 tough choice, but that's kind of where where we got to. But I, my honest view is that I think it's extremely hard to build a business with an exit in mind, and I, I like the best way to to get an exit if that's what you want is to not think about it and to just go fast, build build hard and build. The most important thing was, so the people that were bought us, we actually had been working with for over a year before they bought, bought us. And, the, and when I talk to my friends who have also exited from businesses, like as a general rule, the people who buy you are the people that know you, like you, and have worked with you. And that's the best way to to just just you know even your rivals you just be good be good and nice to everybody and that's and that's where that stuff can is most likely to happen the kind of out of the blue you know google suddenly buys you out of the blue it just it just doesn't really happen like that like i mean obviously it can happen but it's just a bit it's a bit rarer and the best thing is to always just just grow as fast as possible and build relationships with people who might potentially do it and and be nice um and then and then see what happens but your businesses are bought they're not sold so like it's hard to like sell a business when you when you started working with this partner, how did you early like when were you like oh there's someone who could also buy us? Uh, was that sort of like on your mind? Like I know I know you're not trying to plan it or think about it ahead of time, but like you're investing in that relationship early on. Did you know early on that they might be a suitor? No, not re- not really. Actually, in fact, in fact, they 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 built a copycat version of us. Uh, I mean, they wouldn't call it a copycat version, so I've already been things, but they built their own version of us and they launched it and. You know, so so you know, they had kind of talked to us before, but they were like, "Oh, we're building this." You know, you know, you know. See you later. We'll kind of crush you into the ground, and that and that didn't happen. And they ended up and they ended up buying us. But it, you know, we we partnered with them because they were the right partner at the time, and we did a good you know um, commercial deal with them, and that that's what made sense. And it certainly wasn't a kind of like, "Oh, maybe they'll buy us." It was it was it was kind of like, "What do we need to do to keep the business going, grow as fast as possible, and get with the right partner?" And that's that's what made sense. It's time to let your customers enjoy the products they love without the friction of reordering. 
That's why the world's most innovative brands like Pete's Coffee and Il Maquillage rely on Order Group subscriptions to build long-lasting customer relationships and deliver recurring revenue. Order Group integrates with all e-commerce platforms, making the experience easy to manage and seamless for shoppers. From enrollment incentives to churn-fighting AI, Order Group gives your business the tools it needs to be the next big subscription success story. Visit ordergroove.com slash DTC to receive two months off your first contract. And growing as fast as possible, I, I'm sure I'm sure was a big part of the appeal. The fact that you had the model dialed, the fact that you had the acquisition model dialed through Pilot House, and that you had your gas pedal fully down, I'm sure just made you guys a pretty irresistible opportunity for these guys. Well, <laughs> uh, I hope so. I mean, I guess that I guess that's why they still came through. I mean, I think like we 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 also got into a place where our uh, you know, our, co- our cost per acquisition was 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 in a reasonable place. We were making money straight away, and it all you know, and it, and it made sense to kind of like really go for it, you know. Um, uh, and I think like you know, we'd we as Carl said earlier, like we kind of prioritized some of the basics to make sure they worked, so that when we did really you know spend you know like I always I'm always saying to people, look, don't go and spend loads of money on 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 ad spend until you've sorted out your your market your email you know, marketing so that you know if someone hits the site and gives you an email, you know, we knew that if someone hit the site, gave us their email address, then within a week through our automated emails that have been, you know, tested for God knows how many times, uh, that, you know, 15 to 20% of them would end up becoming customers. And that just meant that we could spend more money, like, to bring people in because then, the like, the system was, you know, gave us a wriggle room of more than 20%. Um, That's actually really, really important part there Henry is how dependent we were on your full funnel to actually bring that initial customer in where we could still spend confidently at 20 30 40 50,000 pounds or whatever if you it, like just a, I'll kill no filler hello um, make sure your email flows and SMS sequences are dialed that you have a good team doing that because that really did carry us forward uh, you know especially now through iOS without all the data attribution you really need that dial 100% and I think, segue and, uh, and I think it was like like it meant that you, Carl. Tell me if I got this wrong, but it meant that you, you, you would see on the day spend that you would think was like, you know, not not good. At, you know, like the CPAs were out of whack, but then you knew that in a week that they would be in the right place, and therefore it wasn't a total disaster, and it and it just gave so much more like wriggle room. It made our conversations with you easier when it wasn't going well. I'll, I'll put it that way. <laughs> and it was going really well, you know, we could kind of make up for the difference. But on aggregate, yes, abs- absolutely, Henry. And I think it's just that outsourced mentality, that outsourced team mentality that we try to try to achieve where there is that full communication. We're understanding your model as best as we possibly can so that we're making decisions not just based on what wins for us, but what wins for everyone in the chain. And I know uh, Look After My Bills is pretty much one of the best examples we have of, of any of the clients that we've worked with. I wanted to pivot a little bit just because we're, we're short on time. And I don't talk to as many people who've actually made exits. I think exits are this... Uh, it's, they're a bit mythical. I think everyone, you know, everyone in the space is thinks about them at some point. Everyone would like to to get that that big boost of of personal income to the point where they could, you know, do, do the things that they wanted to do. I just wanted to ask, like, ha, has your life changed at all since uh, <laughs> think, since the exit? Uh, I spend more time with my kids. <laughs> that, that that that's for sure. Uh, look, I've, I mean, I've been incredibly incredibly lucky. Uh, I've been able to do a bit of angel investing, which I really enjoy doing, and I kind of see as trying to like give back and help help other help other founders, you know. And I and 
you know, I'm incredibly lucky not to have to worry about money that much anymore, and uh, and my kids, you know, future in a in a, in, a, in a similar way. And that that is, you know, I'm not going to pretend that isn't awesome. Like that is totally awesome. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm I'm really enjoy. You know, I haven't I haven't been I haven't done a full time job since March last year. I've got you know I do some. Uh, I'm on the board of a couple of uh, organisations and a PLC and also a, a government, uh, UK government related thing. And I and I do the angel stuff and a, and a tiny bit of consulting. And and I'm really enjoying not having a full time job <laughs> um, and and having a bit uh, having a bit of space. So uh, you know it's 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 been great. I'm not gonna I can't pretend otherwise. Did you treat yourself to anything in particular when it went in order to like sort of signal that, uh, for this big win? Uh, so paid off the mortgages, um, uh, That's uh, a big which, one. which was great. Uh, and actually we've been very lucky to be able to, um, uh, so we could, we live in London, but we've been able to buy a, a house in the countryside as well, which has been fantastic, particularly for the kids. So that, that's the big treat. I'm not big into kind of Lambos or anything. So no. I, uh, uh, it was, I didn't, I didn't kind of go down More that route. Just, guy, maybe something like yeah, that. Mate, it's, yeah, it's, it, but you know, now you have Downton Abbey out there. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's definitely not Downton Abbey, but it's lovely. It's not quite Downton Abbey. Okay, good. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's not Volvos. It's, it's, it's Land Rovers. No, no, it's just a, it's a, all of all of that. So, uh, but as you can see, like I'm not, you know, I'm still just, you know, in my sweatpants and, and you know, not really. Uh, I, I don't think I've changed much beyond that. I, I hope anyway. But um, we were talking about parenting before this, and your kids don't care. That you they they, they like they like that you're around more, but they don't. They're not going to give you any street cred just because you have an exit. Yeah, that that is absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if anything, my, you know, I, I mean, I, I've, my ones are quite young, three and one, uh, about to turn four. But um, uh, you know, she she just just couldn't couldn't give two shits. Um, uh, so yeah, you're completely spot on. Um, that's, that's the way the, that goes. That's the way it should be. So you mentioned angel investing there. I wanted to ask, what what is your what's your philosophy? Like, I know it, it sounds like you're in a position where you want to dabble, you want to give back, but like, what mindset are you going into the D 2 C space with right now in terms of as an angel investor? Or and is it the D 2 C space, or is it more into the services uh, switching and things like that? Oh, it's great. It's a great question. So, so actually, um, it's a bit of a mix. So I, I do definitely uh, have a kind of tendency to do more consumer facing stuff uh it's less it's 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 less okay there's a little bit of e-commerce there but it's like i've done a bunch of kind of digital health things um uh i'm quite into kind of uh, bits and pieces of biotech and stuff so i'm, I'm quite sector agnostic but i, I tend to focus on uh, a little bit more on consumer stuff uh, you know but i was kind of ed tech and all sorts of things as well uh, i am very focused on pre-seed and seed, just kind of like where people are at the, at the very early stage um though i have done some some later stuff but it tends to be like where, where I think I can actually, you know, I didn't, I didn't raise tens of millions of, of, of dollars for, for my, for my startup. I, you know, I took it from, you know, zero people to 60 people, then sold it. And then it went, went up to 150 people or whatever it was. It's not, you know, it's not like this kind of like, um, massive thing. I think where I can add most value for people is, is, is at that pre-seed pre level. Uh, but I think I'm making all the classic angel mistakes, writing checks that are too big to begin with, running, you know, thinking, oh God, uh, acting too slowly, acting too fast, not having a real approach to it. But I'm learning fast and uh, trying to anyway and really enjoying it. So that's the, that's the key thing, I think, hopefully. Henry, how many, how many, don't be detailed, but like about how many companies have you invested in since exiting? Uh, so, I, so I've just, I've done over fifty now. 
Um, uh, so I've kind of I've kind of gone for it. Um, uh, partly because I read the data about uh, angel investing, and it's basically if you uh, and it kind of applies to VC stuff. It's the cl classic power law stuff. You you know you need to find one or two ones that return the fund, as it were. Uh, and the more you do, the more likely you are to do that. So I reduced my check size and did way more uh, investments. Um, and I think the stats are that if you kind of hit the kind of 50, 60 territory, you've got a decent chance of making some money. Um, though obviously if I've chosen really shit ones, then <laughs> it's not going to work. Have you, um, have you ever thought about or, or looked at kind of exchanging like your services, board seats in exchange for equity or is it always cash? No, so I, uh, as a general rule, I will. I, I much prefer to invest. Um, uh, I have I have done things with some startups where I where I, where I help them a lot. Where um, you know, if I'll like, I'll like commit to having a weekly call with them and all that kind of jazz, and I'll be on the advisory board, and then I would get an extra, a little extra bit of uh, shares. But I would always have invested. Um, like my view is, is that it's not like I think one of the things that really puts me off. Um, is kind of people who are like on an advisory board of a startup who haven't invested and they've been given some shares and it's just like you're not really bought into this and I, and people try to make that try to do that for us in my startup and I was just like no 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 if you're not going to invest any money I'm not going to give you anything for free um, it's kind of where, where I'm at where, where I'm at with it but that's literally only a couple of co of the companies I work with. How does deal flow work in the space? Like if you if you in in just a, a year or less here you you've invested in 50 different companies. Are they are they coming to you or are they coming to you through a network that you've joined? How do, how do these deal these deals come in? Yeah, so I'm very lucky because um there's a kind of couple of routes for me. So um the, the so I'm part of the Y Combinator network, so particularly like Y Combinator London companies, um I'll be kind of you know, aware of and um, and I'll and I'll talk to and help out with. Uh, and so I've done a few YC things. I mean, obviously anybody can do YC companies, so it's not like unique to me. Unique to me, but that's that that's it. That's that's it. I'm a part of a kind of a few angel networks in London um, uh, with kind of UK angels, and very lucky that a few kind of more seasons. Uh, angels have kind of slightly taken me under their wing and and sent me some deals and then I found deals for them and we do a lot of sharing of uh, uh, of, of deals. I mean, uh, the, my main focus, to be honest, has been on friends that I know who are great who are trying to do startups and helping them and then they might send me other people that they know and and, and then it kind of like it's, it's funny as I've done more I've been able to get more if you see what I mean in the sense of, of, of kind of like sharing deals and seeing more deals and it's a love like it's a great everybody's very kind of like like helping each other like in terms of like like angels don't really have to fight to get into deals because you know like it's not like being a VC where you're like, you know, I want to lead this round and I must lead this round and I'll fight you off for it. It's like, if you're an angel, you know, we're writing small checks, we're not leading rounds. Like, so it's like, oh, do you want to operate a founder who's exited a business to like understands these few things like digital marketing? Then as a general rule, founders are quite keen to have that. Some, you know, some, some B2B people are like, mate, you're absolutely no use to us. So see you later, which is also like, which is fair enough. Though um, uh, I actually think there's a lot of, uh, B2C principles that can be applied to B2B marketing that I, that I think a lot of B2B businesses are, are missing out on. Um, and I've got a bunch of B2B uh, startups as well, so it's not it's, it's not unique. G give me a couple. What 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 are some of these high level things that that can be learned from the B2B space? 
Well, I, I just don't I just don't think it's that different, right? Like, I think it's you know you're still just selling to people, and it and it and obviously it depends uh, what kind of you know startup you're where, where you are. But there will be a certain amount of people who will be your prospective salespeople, and you've got to get to them in any route you can. And the, the traditional B two B route is kind of like cold emails and sales teams and phone calls. But actually, I think you can you can create funnels that are very very targeted for people that that, that keeps it all online and actually is more likely to do it. Like one of the one of the things that I one of my startups has been quite successful at is like driving like they like there's probably like 150,000 people who might buy their you know service in the UK and they're kind of good at driving them into making phone calls uh into their sales center by doing digital marketing right so you know it's and it's not rocket science like this is all obvious and and I think the key point with it all is is that you just should be anybody's trying to grow anything whether it's B2B whatever it is needs to be open to testing every single possible route to, to growth because you know you don't know you don't know what will work until you test it and um, that's that that's that's the key really and the vision of finding a silver bullet that you can just hammer on for, for all times is not that realistic even though you guys were fully hammered onto Facebook for you know spending as much as you were spending you were constantly having to find new angles and new approaches and refreshing things so it really is it's a bit of a grind there's no two ways about that uh, definitely i mean i think i think i think uh, my other bit of advice is if you find a channel that that works for you just scale the like almost like be okay with binning off the other channels for for now and just scale the living daylights out of it until it breaks because you, you often only get that opportunity once and there's like a kind of like time period of it and then you'll realize at what what level you can then have to put it back a bit but if you've got a chance go for it but we you know we did that but then we were also like okay well we've got to do YouTube we've got to try and do you know one of the things Pilot House did brilliantly for us which I assumed was never going to work was snap you guys got snap to work for us which was you know an electricity switching service on snap <laughs> i mean it's is kind of like ridiculous um but you just got to try you know we tried next door you know every every you know we tried native you know every single channel you could think of we, we gave it a try but it was facebook that was that really worked for us and we hammered it as hard as we could Lovely. Kyle, what, what would you say, you know, you've worked, you, you consider Henry one of your, your closest business contacts here. What would you say you've learned taken away from the relationship? Oh, so much. I think, um, just <laughs> seriously so much, uh, he's, he's a very talented person and very humble as you can tell. But, um, since this relationship started, I've kind of gravitated, I've looked at him for mentorship, asked, been able to ask him lots of questions. He supported our business through referrals, but you know, I think like in the, in the vein of like this, um, you know, TTC growth thing, this conversation of exiting, really what I'm, I'm trying to collaborate with them now on is this idea of, you know, what is, what is, what does pilot house mean as an investment party and, or a real partner? Cause we don't like the word agency, um, negative connotation, industry wide, whatever we look at ourselves as partners. And then, you know, from that word, how deep can we actually go? Cause we've always said deep integration partner. It's kind of what we do, you know, and um, it's not just we're running ads or making creative for you. It's like we're, we're in your we're in your balance sheet, really, um, if, if we can get that alignment right. And so what does that mean? You know, the conversations we're having now really are how do we position Pilot House in a way where, you know, we are a true growth partner and a part of that business for businesses that make sense. So th th that's kind of the next you're kind of thinking for for us um obviously there's a lot to figure out there and it's idea at this point but you know like 
investment companies are referring us to clients because the clients don't have the talent because there's just not enough of it. And, um, we're just trying to bridge that. Why, why are we this intermediary? We should be the ones that are participating on both sides of that. I think there's lots of different, and what's exciting about it is I think there's lots of different ways of approaching all of that in terms of like, what does that kind of look like? And I think in particular for, you know, I think about my portfolio companies that I'm very lucky to have. And, and you know, they're at that stage where it's all very young for them, but you know, if they can, if they can really motor, then it can get big very quickly. And it's like, well, how does, how they might not be able to, they have huge amounts of cash at the moment, but, uh, you know, at points that can make sense for, for, for everybody. Um, it's just a question of how does, how does that work? You know, like, so everybody's happy, both sides are happy because it's, uh, it's that, that's, that's the key with it really. And Kyle, like you guys have already invested too, right? Like you invested in, in me and in D2C, uh, and I know as a talent-based business, like that, that's a big fe- uh, feature for Pilot House as well. Not only finding ways to potentially do equity deals with growth partners and things like that, but also uh, incentivizing the staff to build kind of within the Pilot House umbrella, which which I'm a pretty good example of. La familia, yeah, we um, <laughs> yeah, we, we 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 very much so continental. We very much uh, you know look for and train and partner with entrepreneurs. Uh, Dave's a good example too. Uh, that was our, our first one, Dave, who founded Pilot House. He was an employee of Helmkin. So we're, we're startup people, like we're just addicted to it. And so within Pilot House, yes, certainly. Eric, you're a fantastic story. Congratulations on your equity release, by the way. Uh, hit all of his goals in the, in the first year. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think my mindset needs to shift away from us having to be the ones that are doing the whole business from the ground up. And I think that that's kind of what we're working on operationally. Well, I think uh, we should continue this conversation at a, at a later date, Henry. I think you can become a, a regular person on the podcast. I have to introduce you to uh, Paul Singh. Do you know Paul Singh from Bump Health as well as um, he, he is a, he's a guy that is an uh, angel investor and he's, I think, in with over a thousand businesses now. He's one of my oh, favorite wow. podcast guests I've ever had. And I think you guys would just absolutely hit it off. So I'm I'll- I'll fire off an, an intro email there because I think you'd both get a lot out of it. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thanks again, guys. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.